1: to the inside. He's got Max Danball picked off. He's around Chase Ryanauer. Jared Horstman up to third down the back
2: straightaway.
0: And Rich France.
2: The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire. Uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back
0: out. Michigan short track racing authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going The Racing 47. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schling. And this is
1: Horsepower Happenings Good evening race fans Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings On a Monday, hopefully uh, If you're listening down in the southern part of the state You have your power back and your phones are charged And everything's going to be fine It's going to be fine, everything's fine Uh, We're back up and running here at Horsepower Happenings Headquarters. Rich has power, Zach has power Lo and behold, it's another episode Of Horsepower Happenings. Here's what's happening In a Motor City Minute How about A.J. Allmendinger? Right place Right time on Sunday After Chase Briscoe punts denny hamlin briscoe has a penalty aj allmendinger gets a win at indy on the road course and uh, that team will be going full-time next year in the nascar cup series so nice job to allmendinger and also going full-time next year one of the drivers that everybody's been watching in late model racing he finally got a start in the xfinity series this year picked up an xfinity series win at martinsville josh barry is going full-time Xfinity Series racing in 2022. I know there's a lot of folks excited about that, so good luck to him. He'll be with, of course, Junior Motorsports. How about some local things in the Motor City Minute? Jeff Rea beat out AJ Ward and an IMCA Modified feature win at Thunderbird. Thunderbird, good show for those guys, and I want to send a shout-out to my buddy Jeremy Pearson. He gave us a plug. He gives us a plug every week, and I was finally there to be with uh, Jeremy. Jeremy's a nice guy, a really good announcer, and uh, Jeremy, nice Nice job. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Eric Spangler, Chad Bennett, and Jim Miller Jr. picked up Friday Night Wins at Tri-City Motor Speedway for a good show. Spangler, of course, late models. Bennett modifieds, and Jim Miller Jr. put that Camaro in victory lane. And then it was Greg Goki who grabbed another Merritt Speedway win on Saturday night, holding off Spangler and Bauer. And Mike Vandermark Jr. cashed in in the factory stocks with their special Challenge Series payday that they had at Merritt Speedway. That's what's happening in Motor City Minute. Those things, so much more going on tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the state. How's it going, sir?
2: Oh, I am so glad. I've never—it's never been a Monday where I've been so glad to see you because the one <laughs> when when I went to DTE's energy outing map, they told me Tuesday. Yeah, and I said we have a problem.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And consumers had us uh, not coming on until late Sunday night, so I was a little worried about that. And uh, for those who missed it, man, the lower part of Michigan got absolutely railed on. Uh, what was that Thursday morning uh, storm just swept through the bottom part of the state? One of the top ten consumers energy reported one of the top 10 worst storms for their company so if that gives you any indication of how it was but we're back we're ready to go a lot of race teams uh, operated without power this weekend and uh, so we're glad to be back with you a lot of news to go over, and uh, for the second week in a row, uh, sad to start things off with a couple of uh, sad notes from the racing industry. A guy that I had a chance to work alongside of briefly when uh, the American Ethanol Tours would go to Berlin, George Keene, passed away last week. Uh, he'd been fighting some some health issues for a little while, a short stint in the hospital uh, before he passed away, and uh, it was unfortunate to hear a George passing. He was a great ambassador for the sport. So many stories going up on social media about him, and And our thoughts and prayers are with his family and and Rich. Unfortunately, George, not the only one that was lost from the last time that we did an episode.
2: Yeah, Zach, um, Ralph Warning, former owner and operator at the Galesburg Speedway, uh, passed away unexpectedly last Tuesday. Um, He purchased the track back in 1998, owned it for several years, put his heart and soul into that facility. Uh, You know, Ralph was 70 years old and and like always, Zach, uh, to both the Warning family, and the Keene family and and all their friends uh our prayers go out to them from everybody here at horsepower happening absolutely
1: all right with that behind us and uh we know just like they did on racing over the weekend we will push on rich what happened over this past week in racing well zach we all know the
2: that the interest that tyler roerig has in open wheel racing we found that out and to go with his outlaw and his template late model prowess uh but he had, and he had the biggest win of his career a couple of months ago in the Little 500 down at Anderson. Well, he almost made history in another type of car this weekend. On Saturday night in the Hoosier Classic at the Oval at Lucas Oil Raceway, Rurig became just the second driver in 28 years to finish inside the top two in his very first USAC Silver Crown Series start. Only Cody Swanson was better than Tyler on Saturday night, so not bad at all. Rurg also picked up the GSP Quality Driver Performance of the Night Award. And Zach, uh, it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, that we'll see him right back in that same Silver Crown car for Bob East
1: at Toledo in October. All right. Well, we're. I mean, what could go wrong? Not. I don't think anything. Right. This man, this cat's been on a roll all season. I think this is just a recipe for. Uh, well, it's going to be for disaster for everybody else in the field, probably. <laughs>
2: yeah, and and he's going to jump. He's jumping a Silver Crown car at a racetrack that he knows very, very well. Yeah. Um. Uh, I. I I'm,
1: I'm going to be there for it I'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> for sure hey let's talk about some things happening up here in the state of Michigan uh Birch Run Speedway and Event Center I know they've been getting a lot of press well uh keep watching because David McManus is on a roll and he is now two in a row at Birch Run Speedway in the modified division, Robbie Johnson used his outside front row starting spot to power to the lead, putting uh, the uh, number 21 machine in victory lane. Chase Johnson, uh, chasing Johnson to the checkers, Dave Christensen's Kyle Mackey, and Mike Laberta Sr. And that was how the whole night started. The four car dash, Nick Clements, put his fast lane auto exchange 116 in the winner's circle ahead of McManus and Matt Mackey. That's the beginning of the night, but then uh, it would be 30 laps. For the main event, Kyle Mackey, Robbie Johnson paced the field for the start, and it's Johnson who gets the early lead, holding the top spot until Nick Clemens and David McManus started knocking on the door. Uh, Clemens would sneak by Johnson to take the lead and bring McManus with him. Meanwhile, Dave Christensen and Trevor Barry made their way toward the front to chase down the leaders and Luke Warhurst. McManus uses the inside lane to battle Clemens as the two race side-by-side side for several laps before McManus pulls away and secures his second victory in a row in the Rat-Tac Engines. How Racing Enterprises number... What is his number? I've done forgot what McManus's number is. Anyhow, it's a yellow car. Dave drives it. He's out front. Do you remember? Do you remember his number? No, I don't. Uh, I- why can't we remember Dave's number? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hold on. This, this is what our show is all about. Most... Accurate and up to date information. Number seven. Dave McManus is number seven. There were people screaming at their devices right there. Come on, it's number seven. You know this. Uh anyhow, McManus, two in a row and uh That's his first victory as part of the the back-to-the-brick shootout series, and uh, going back to Saturday, July 31st was when that took place. So Clemens settles for second ahead of Christensen, Barry, and Warhurst. We tried to get McManus on the program tonight, but somebody is celebrating a vacation up in uh, the area of Michigan where cell phone service doesn't work. So we're going to try again. Uh, They've got a big modified race coming up this weekend at Birch Run, so uh, maybe we'll talk to him when he goes three in a row. Does that sound all right? Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, Zach, let me
2: ask you, a person would normally be hard-pressed to think of something or, a, or an event that Kyle Larson hasn't won in 2021. No would, you say, would you not say that? Yeah, nah, for sure. Well, on Saturday, um, he made that answer a little more difficult. Uh, Larson held off 10-time Knoxville Nationals champion Donnie Schatz to win his first Knoxville Nationals crown Saturday night at Knoxville, Iowa Raceway. Uh, Larson's previous best finish in the Knoxville Nationals was second back in 2017. That was the year shots won his 10th Nashville Knoxville Nationals title. Uh, Larson started Saturday night's 50 lap feature third and picked up a cool Zach. Are you seated? $176,000 for his efforts. Brad sweet would round out the podium. The win was the, 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 Biggest remaining item on the bucket list for Larson outside of NASCAR, uh, he won the Chili Bowl Nationals the last two years, and he picked up the King's Royal this year as well.
1: I just one hundred seventy-six thousand dollars. Do you know how many years worth of my salary that takes to to account up to? Holy smokes! What a Got win! It.
2: Yeah, the, the numbers that we're seeing, um, you know, and we can talk about it. the numbers that we're seeing in dirt racing is unbelievable. Uh, you know, the the number, the money that they, you know, gave away down at Eldora, what, 200 half a million dollars in a weekend. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, $176,000. We are in the wrong business. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we
1: just weren't talented enough race car drivers.
2: <laughs> that, that couldn't be it. That, that has nothing to do with it, I don't think. <laughs>
1: Let me ask you this before we move on. A small discussion breaking out here on Horsepower Happenings. Is Kyle Larson truly, truly the greatest of all time. I I don't. I mean, my my time in the sport is much shorter uh, in history than yours is, Rich. But I mean, this guy has won almost everything there is to win. You give him a NASCAR Cup Series championship, an Indy five, or you know, if he were to win an Indy five hundred, uh, a Brickyard four hundred, maybe a Daytona five hundred. I mean, what is there left for this guy to do? Uh, basically, it's all in NASCAR, <laughs> really. To be honest, yeah.
2: Uh, I don't know. I, it's really hard. We've had this discussion before. I, I think it's really hard to judge eras, Zach. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Richard Petty won 200 races, but did he have the competition that Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson had winning their 95 and 87 or whatever they are yeah. uh, races? So I, I think it, all I can say is if you're a race fan these days, And uh, you are a dirt racing fan, whether it's dirt late models or sprint cars, you have to be enjoying this uh, watching Kyle Larson do what he does uh, on every minute he's away from NASCAR because he is going out there looking for places to go. To ruin twenty-five guys'
1: nights,
2: <laughs> uh, uh, you know, basically on a, on a weekly or monthly basis.
1: And here's the here's why I asked the question because yeah, the the top tier races um, in NASCAR and in pavement are what are still lacking for Kyle. But Larson has went out there and he's racked up what five or six wins this season. He showed up after winning the Knoxville Nationals and still finished on the podium at Indianapolis. Um, I mean this 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 guy is. I think this is a once-in-a-lifetime or once-in-an-era talent that we're seeing right now. I'll uh, recall Larson and the fact that Mr. Hendrick allows him to still go and race these other races, I think is phenomenal because I do believe he could be one of the greatest all-time race car drivers we ever see. About 15 or
2: 16 months ago, Zach, we weren't talking about this, were we? No,
1: not at all. Not at all. Well, and and I think you guys we, to-
2: we were talking whether he was ever going to be in a good race car ever again. Yeah.
1: And then shortly thereafter, we I, I think I begged the question on one of our earlier shows, is Kyle Larson getting a ride with Mr. Hendrick finally going to expose his talent? And I think we're getting that answer, Rich France. He... Well it's not just
2: that. I mean, he's driving some really good dirt late models and the best sprint cars around as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's not all Kyle Larson. He, he's not jumping in somebody's beat up old street stock. And that, that's, <laughs> you know, j- just, just ha- the fenders are hanging off of it. Um, he, he's jumping in quality equipment and he is really showing it off. I mean, he's doing, this is, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we've ever seen a season in short track racing for whatever it is like he's having um every big race if he's there just chalk it up chalk it up (laughs) you
1: know yeah just put it how do you bet against kyle larson this year and the answer is you don't you don't you don't don't. (laughs) let's go on to some other stuff happening locally chase Ridenauer, danny sams led the field to the green flag friday night at hartford speedway ahead of 25 laps around the big race track Ridenour found a home out front for the first five rotations before fourth-starting Ryan Rule caught the 2016 Series champion. The pair swapped the lead four times before the caution came out with 16 laps to go when Keith Shefford Jr., Levi Portinga, and Ryan Conium all got together in turns three and four. On the restart, Rule picked up right where he left off, opening up a lead over Ridenour, but was quickly slowed again a pair of times. R.J. Payne spun in turn three, and then it was slowed again when Nick Hall lost a left-rear tire coming to the green with 15 laps to go, Rule set the pace again out front. Ridenauer now easily in second as the battle waged for third. Rich, this was a big moment. Sams holding on to the third spot. Points leader Max Stambaugh coming from ninth, wanted that position. The pair exchanged slide jobs and crossovers for two laps with the biggest moment of the race, Coming off of turn four, Sam's front bumper made contact with the tail tank of Stambaugh. Stambaugh pointed directly to the infield, but he gathered it back up, and they both raced back into turn number one. Uh, And the, the race just continued for third. Neither one of them missed a beat. Then a caution came out. The final one of the night with nine laps to go, Jetman spun in turn two in front of the entire field. Everybody missed him. And the final restart, the first two positions remained unchanged. Rule Ride out front. Stambaugh lost the third spot to Dustin Daggett. He'd finish fourth, and Greg Dolman would round out the top five. So that's night number one. That's Friday night. Then Saturday. Phil Gressman and Chase Ridenour bring the field to the green flag for what was one of the fastest GLSS shows of the season, and if not in history. For the second straight appearance at Thunderbird Raceway, the event went from green to checkered with not one caution flag. The time on the stopwatch from the drop of the green, Rich France, six minutes and just, I think, nine seconds or six seconds. Get out of Dodge. Six minutes, 25 laps. However, it wasn't straightforward. A lot of action filled the speedway for those six minutes. Gressman jumped out to the early lead ahead of Ridenauer, but the story of the race was the drive out of the Wiley veteran Greg Dahlman. Rolling from the ninth spot, Dahlman took sixth by the time the field raced to the backstretch. As that was happening, Rule was tracking down Gressman as the leaders raced into the back markers. Gressman and Rule worked to navigate the lap cars. Dahlman continued to use the extreme bottom of the racetrack to work his way to the front. And then Dalman took the two-for-one deal on Rule and Gressman to get out front with just 11 laps to go, and he never looked back to grab the win. Rule brought it home in second. Sams got by Gressman for third. Phil would finish in fourth, and Lyndon Jones rounded out the top five. Now, we're only going to address this just because, unless you were there, you probably don't know Max Stambaugh not on the property Saturday night. He went into the weekend with an 11-point points lead, went into Thunderbird Saturday with a 5-point points lead, and ended up not being at Thunderbird uh, for the show. Now, allegedly, uh, what had happened was there was an altercation in the pits involving Stambaugh and uh, also involving Marshall Campbell, allegedly, and uh, the end result of that was Stambaugh loading up and heading for the house uh, as to not have to deal with any of the uh, the overspill of that. Now, it all happened early in the day before GLSS officials and before Thunderbird officials arrived to the racetrack. Um, so details are a little touch and go and are a lot hearsay. Um, but we do know Max has released a statement on his Facebook page if you want to go check that out. We aren't going to read it to you here tonight. But uh, that's kind of what is happening. If you're wondering, where was Stambaugh in the mix of all this? Uh, it appears as though his run for a GLSS championship may be over.
2: That's shocking, Zach. Um, yeah, and, and and that's unfortunate when it's I, – and I guess it's never good if, if there's a confrontation, but not even anything on the racetrack yeah. uh, where where something happened. So, um, yeah, we sure don't want to comment on it without knowing the whole truth, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, obviously, um, you know, either he made the decision or somebody made it for him that um, – he was not to compete that night for whatever happened.
1: Well, with that in uh, in behind us, let's talk more about what happened Saturday night. The guy who got it done, Rich France, let us know who we're talking to.
2: Well, Zach, they say patience is a virtue, don't they? Oh man. Um, some t- And you should always stick with it. Well, this gentleman did just that this weekend. Uh, picked up his first win in two years and a couple days uh, with the Great Lakes Super Sprints at Thunderbird this weekend. And he came from deep in the field to do it. Uh, makes his home in Bellevue, Michigan. Greg Dollman, welcome to Horsepower Happenings.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
2: Man, it's 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 not like um, you know. Hey, we go out and race this thing with a with less than equipment. You got competition every single night you show up, and and you got to feel pretty good when you can get one of these things.
3: Yeah, our competition level is just it's it's right up there by far the best around. Anyways, night in and night out. Um, I mean, you get the likes of Max. And, you know, Max Danbaugh and, and uh, you know, Ryan Rule's rolling really good right now. I mean, these guys, it's it's tough. It's just round about tough, night in, night out. And,
1: and to that point, it's funny that Rich, I didn't know Rich was going to lead off with this, but that was one of the first things that you said in Victory Lane when I got a chance to talk to you was, uh, man, with the competition I run against, it ain't easy anymore, and uh what were what were kind of the emotions going through for you saturday i mean you've been struggling for the last two years i don't think that's a secret and and you know it you've been struggling and so just the way that you won this race and and the fashion in which you got it done what was that emotion like for you in victory
3: lane that's hard to explain it was a a big uh weight off my shoulders i mean we're you know i'm uh, i'm getting up there the hourglass is starting to run out on us (laughs) a little bit you know and uh you know, you just you start having doubts on yourself whether you still can get it done or not, and uh, we just, you know, me and my son Keegan, we just never quit, and and it, it, you know, to have that win on Saturday night, oh, wow, it was it was pretty emotional.
2: Now, I looked at the starting lineup for that feature event, and all of those names you you uh, just rattled off started in front of you. Not to mention, on your heels, you got Dustin Daggett, um, and you're coming from ninth to do it. How? What was your confidence level at that point?
3: You know, I, I was going to the race. I never count us out. At you know, I mean, I've never said, "Well, I'm starting ninth and we ain't got a shot." I, I mean, we we go in every race like we're going to want you know, going to try to win it. And then, uh, but I mean, it. You look at the names and you see who's on the front row. that's you know, Chase and and Phil Gressman. I mean, they're they're uh, both been in victory lane several times, so it's you're kind of like, and then you got Rule in the second row. Yeah, you just you just uh, you just go out there and give it your all, and uh, you know, like I said, the first couple of laps of that race, it just it, it was it told us all, it told it all, really, for us.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that. The, so the first lap for those who uh, didn't catch this, we mentioned it in our story earlier in the program. You went from ninth to sixth in one lap around Thunderbird Raceway. Uh, That first corner, actually, you had sixth by the time you hit the backstretch. Then all of a sudden you took fifth, fourth, and then those who watched or go back and watch the broadcast later, man, no offense, but I thought that you were a lapped car when I was calling the race for Phil and Ryan Rule, and then I heard scoring say, Daggett's going to take, or not Daggett, Dahlman's going to take the lead in this thing, and I looked down, and sure enough, that 49T was racing for position. Man, you just snuck up there and kind of bullied your way in on the bottom of the racetrack. Talk about your decision. I know that, don't take offense to this, that you're kind of a bottom feeder, if you can. Um, man, the right. bottom the bottom groove was right where you needed to be that night.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it just worked out, and just people kept sliding up on us. I mean, the first lap, I think we, we were... You know, nice and for position, and then after that, we settled down at the bottom. I kept watching guys, you know, going up, going into three and four, and then sliding up, or going, you know, out of uh, two and sliding up. And I'm like, well, you know, do what we do best, run the bottom, and that's what we did. And we just kept picking them off, picking them off. I mean, we went two for one on, uh, you know, for second and first. I mean, it was, I, yeah, I was pretty shocked.
1: and the way you were doing it too uh, you mentioned the two for one this when you're running the bottom like this you not only have guys that are trying to also run the bottom but aren't doing as good as you are but you also have those tractor tires which have bit you they've bit every driver in that competitor at some in that field at some point or another Um, I mean I can only imagine the nerves that you have hoping and, and at one moment you know no no wrongdoing on frankie neal's part at all he's just trying to run his own race it got real hairy down in turns one and two at one point where you had to really get on the brakes how hard is it to kind of again you got to use that line because that's where it is but balance that risk versus reward with how dangerous it is to be down there
3: yeah i mean when we were following frank there it got started getting a little nervous because i knew either ryan or phil was coming you know they weren't going to sit back there and watch and i figured they were coming and and I actually, at one point in that race, I backed off of Frank and took a deep breath and just went back after him. And, and then it panned out, luckily. But, I mean, you get into those lappers and you got the tractor tires, you don't get in deep enough, we've hit them. You know, at Merritt, we hit that, just didn't get in deep enough, hit it, just scraped it and it took our whole front end out. So, I mean, it. yeah, I mean, doing the lappers, tractor tires, and, you know, and you know the leaders are coming. You know, or the <laughs> the other second third coming, so
1: Yeah.
3: Uh it yeah, it gets it gets nerve racking a little bit, but you know, I've been here the same my first rodeo,
1: so <laughs> twenty twenty three <laughs> so years so. is what I have in the notebook for you as far as time behind a sprint car and uh in those years, obviously you've learned how to do a lot of things. How difficult is it? Obvi- you know, as we mentioned, you like to run the bottom, but how hard is it when other guys are sailing in and up top and kind of reverse diamond, I guess, the corner, starting from the top, hitting the apex at the bottom and blowing it off at the at the exit as well. How hard is it to just keep that sprint car? tied to the bottom, methodically work your way around the corner and stay in that moisture on the inside. Is it hard or is it something that you have mastered?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest with you. I learned, uh, I raced down to Fremont four for a whole summer and learned a lot from a guy down there named Dale blaine He's, he's a, he's a yeah. slouch and, uh, he taught me how to run the bottom quite a bit. And, uh, and I learned a lot that whole summer and we, I just, have carried it on and as far as them guys buzzing in and up on top of you you just like rich said at the beginning of the show patience you just got to be patient up there you can't you know you got to run your race basically and don't worry about what's above you you know and and go after it
2: do you prefer that i mean or or when you go to a track like i-96 greg and you know you're going to be up top you know it's going to be fast um is that different for you, and, and do you prefer the shorter tracks where you can maybe use your skills and run the bottom more?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're getting more and more comfortable running the top. I mean, we ran the top more this year than probably years in the past. I mean, we're getting the car set up, you know, a lot better for for me anyways, and and uh, I'm getting more comfortable. Like, at 96, we run in the top, and, you know, if we have to, and, you know, if I have to go down to the bottom, which we're trying to make it, you know, where the car can go anywhere. So it's 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 getting better. Look
1: for the novice fan, or maybe for somebody who's just trying to get under the helmet of that 49T. What is the difference for you? I mean, what leads you to the bottom more times than not, or or what has uh, what has set that precedent, or what changes your mind when you can decide to go to the top? I mean, what is your mindset as a driver, and when you and your son are setting that car up?
3: Well, we kind of watch the track and just see where everything's going. We usually know, like when we go to I ninety six, it's usually up on top. I mean, it. it I mean, most you look at the races; most of them's done up top, and so we just kind of we kind of set it up for both, you know, ways. If we have to run the top, we go to the top. You know, we don't tighten it up so much, and but uh, usually we, there's some nights where we just say do what we do best and go after it. So that's what we do.
2: Talk to um, you know to the race fans that are listening to, to the program, and you know we talk about the big names that that everybody expects to see up front, and and that you expect to on any given night show up in victory lane. But you know, I mean, it's been a couple of years for you. Obviously, you make it. Brad Lamberson picks up his first win ever this year. I mean, th- this this um, Great Lakes Supersprint Series. I mean, it's tough top to bottom. You may not, you don't know who's going to win on any given night, do you?
3: No, no. And it's like, you get all of us together. Like when Jared Ortsman's up, he got Max up and, uh, uh, you know, the, I mean, we got Danny Sam's young gun coming up. Uh, Lyndon Jones is running real well. I mean, like I said earlier in the broadcast that, uh, the rules on a roll, Dustin's there. I mean, you've got, you've got eight to 10 guys easily on a good night to just go after it and, you know, there's and there's Sheffler Sheffer kids coming. I mean, they got a lot of young guns coming up now. It's 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 not as easy. You guys are making it tough on us veterans. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so ten year, uh, two years. I'm sorry, two years and some change what what has kept you going um i know last year was a covid year so it was a short season with glss um and you know this year not so short a really packed schedule a really aggressive uh, schedule and some tough racetracks to go to what has kept you and your son i guess knowing that you can go out there and get a win at any moment
3: uh, we just i i mean we've had some tough the last two years it's been tough beginning of the season was, really tough for us and you know and I got to the point you know you ask you start asking him you know I asked him and you know is it still fun for you I mean you know you go to the track and you get beat down there at the beginning of the year we're getting beat down pretty good and and, then and he didn't want to quit I don't quit so basically I raised him good (laughs) because neither one of us ought to quit so I mean uh, we've got that no quit attitude and just keep going and and what I always told him is that if we quit, we'll never figure out what we're doing wrong. For so sure.
1: And over those 23 years, I'm sure you've had slumps before, right? I mean, you've gone through this before where uh, you just, you have some trouble. And not to be forgotten, you had some health issues in there as well, where you as a driver weren't 100%. So I think you got to look at that too.
3: Yeah, we do. We do. Like last year was a COVID year and kind of, you know, a short year on us. Plus my health wasn't that good last year but you know like i said you can not make excuses up for it so you know i mean you got to <laughs> you got to take the beat downs and i guess that's what makes you tough
1: so what w- sorry rich so what is next for you i guess and maybe this is where you were going uh, rich if not we can come back to you We've got 23 years in on you now. I'm going to say it again and keep making you feel old, uh, and then you're going to probably put me in a headlock next time you see me. But what <laughs> what is next for you, man? I mean, this has been a, a storied career already. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows Greg Dahlman. That 49, the yellow car, is iconic. Do you have anything left that you want to do?
3: Um. I mean there's a few shows, bigger shows I wanna win at and you know, and keep going I guess. Um Listen, I'm not trying uh, to push you to- toward
1: that R word <laughs> at all either. I just am curious. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot you know, you know a lot of great sprint car drivers that have raced well past their years that you are, so I'm just curious.
3: Yeah, I still wanna. I mean, I still wanna GLSS title. I mean that's what we we've been trying to shoot for. Um that's I still want one of those. Before I do do the retirement thing, but I mean, we haven't really talked about the retirement thing quite yet. I mean, it's kind of I think it's off the distance a little bit, and which is good. Yeah, I, I'm glad I feel, to hear I that. Think we're, we're, I think we're still, you know, we're still competitive and we're still up there. So until we stop stop having fun and you know, and it's not fun anymore, then I guess we'll keep going.
2: You know, Greg, it's it's kind of funny. Um, Zach and I have talked about this somehow and I don't know why it happens, but we have this incredible karma on horsepower happenings, right? So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's not gonna be two years. You might get another one before we see winter in twenty twenty one.
3: Uh I'd like to I'd like to think so. I mean, I think we've worked out some things. We were, we found some issues that we were having earlier and we've been faster as of late when we've uh you know, since we found that. Um, adjustments to the car and stuff like that. Plus, I'm 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 back up on the wheel a little more than uh, earlier in the year too. So, is it the haircut? Which, yeah, yeah, it's an aerodynamic package I run with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, when when you look at the schedule for the rest of the season, you know, i went right there with Rich. I think you got a pretty good shot. We go back to I ninety six for two more. Tri City, which we know is a racetrack that is typically right around the tires and then Merritt Speedway, which when's the last time that we had two visits at Merritt Speedway in one season with the Great Lake Super Sprints? I don't know, but that's where we're going to wrap things up this season. Another short track where last time we were there, it was around the bottom. That might play right into your favor. Are you circling those last two races?
3: Yeah, we got our eye on them pretty good. I mean, Tri-City was pretty good the last time we were there. I mean, it, I mean, and then I seen uh, the merits put some clay down, so I mean, give it a little more track. And I mean, last time we were at Merritt, it was pretty grippy. I mean, actually, Dustin got the the middle groove working pretty good there at the end. I mean, we were in the infield watching after we hit the tires. <laughs> yeah, <so>. for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but it, you know, I think, uh, yeah, those two. Those last two, we got an eye on anyways.
1: Now, I got to ask you, we are in a little bit of a break now, so our last race was Saturday. We don't get back to it until Labor Day weekend, so we do have two weeks here. Are you going to do anything, or are you just going to make sure that that car is 100% right as we head toward the uh, the finale here?
3: Um, We're probably just going to make sure, go through things, and make sure things are right, I mean, and just regroup and kind of, be ready for the last four races of the season and, you know, make sure we got all of our ducks in a row because, I mean, we just, we got uh, well, I mean, we got equipment. It's fair, but it, I mean, we're rolling so good. We don't want to destroy what we got.
1: And by the way, the win put you into fifth in the Great Lakes Super Sprint Series point standings. So, uh, you would need some luck on your side to get a championship this year. But, you know what? Yep. To be able to, uh, to be able to have another top five in the Great Lakes Super Sprints point standings, that's going to be at least, a, a some, some form of a feather in the cap.
3: Yeah. We're rallying a little bit. We fell back earlier in the year. I don't know if we went seventh, eighth, seventh, or eighth. And, uh, um, you know, and work their way back up.
1: Well, man, uh, thanks so so much for being on the show tonight. I know that uh, this was a really popular win. It's been fun to kind of look on your social media and see everybody. And, uh, you know, there's a a picture that I'm going to post this week as we promote this show, folks can look for it, of you, and uh, keegan and you guys are in victory lane and the smiles man i don't think i've ever seen smiles so big um so I, i'm just i'm happy for you guys and i hope that you guys ride this high for a long time
3: yeah i mean to see my son smile it's uh because he busts his ass. I mean, he. Uh, oops, I swore. But oh, I mean, you're a That's fine. He
1: really, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you <laughs> dropped the S word in Victory Lane, okay? So I mean, it doesn't get much. I mean, there's only one more step above that as far as the FCC is concerned. So you're fine. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, he he did bust his as as ass for it mean, for me, and he works hard day, night in and night out, and uh, you know he's he's totally dedicated, and you know I quit racing if he doesn't take over the wheel. I mean, it's it's. It's going to be interesting to see who, who picks him up or where he goes because they're going to get a hell of a crew guy.
1: Is he doing all this? I mean, you guys obviously talk about the driver, you as the driver, say what you need and, and what the car is doing. But is he your crew chief? I mean, is he the one that's making the calls or are you still teaching him what needs to be changed when you're feeling something? What is that relationship like at the racetrack?
3: Um, we're, we're both we're both involved in the setups. I mean, he does the final setup on it and everything. You know, I kind of say what we need, and you know, he kind of tells me how the car is looking and all this and what we should be doing. And basically, uh, we work together on things. I'm kind of teaching him, you know, the ins and outs. Still, I mean, hell, I'm still learning on things after 23 years on these things. So, I mean, um, but yeah, he is the crew guy, the crew chief, and and he's he's damn good at it for being 21 years old for sure
1: well it's a great family picture i can't wait for uh, for it to hit social media because it is really a cool shot of you guys and uh, man it, and it really is i want to make sure i pause on this when i come to your guys's crew and your trailer, Greg. It is just the two of you who make this thing happen, and and then of course it's all the people on the side of that race car who get it done for you as well. Who are those folks for you? Obviously, we've talked about Keegan, but uh, who are those stickers? There's a lot more behind it than just than just letters and stickers.
3: Yeah, we got Maximum Oil, and uh, you know, a perfect Michigan Steel and Trim Kistler Engines, Jim Coffee Plumbing and Heating, and Exact Excavating Outdoors PreFilters. Edge wraps. I mean, they're, they're, I'm probably missing some people on here, but they're, I mean, they're, these guys still believe in me after 23 years. Thank God, because I mean, the sport is, uh, you know, as far as the cost wise, is outrageous. And uh, these guys all stand behind me and and they believe in me still. So uh, I appreciate you, you know, each and everything these guys do for us.
1: Well, if you're not calling him this already, you should call him it now. It's Greg the Bulldog Dolman. He used the bottom of the racetrack at Thunderbird, wrestled his way up to the top, and uh, picked up a win. And, man, uh, you, you, you exemplify that Bulldog mentality as it is, too, because you're uh, stocky, you're kind of intimidating, but, man, you always shake my hand at the races, and we always have a great time. So, congratulations. I'm so happy that you guys picked up the win, and thanks for being on the show tonight.
3: Thank you. Thanks, uh, Zach and Rich, for having me.
1: Well, our appreciation to Greg. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to him. i got to give him a hard time, because if you've never met Greg Dahlman, he is. He just is so intimidating. He looks like he could just kind of give you a, a little arm around the neck there as a hey, buddy, how you doing? And Probably go lights out on you by accident. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- appreciate Greg. Always a pleasure to chat with him. But Rich, time to get into a fan favorite now on Horsepower Happenings. It's time for Gary Did You Know, presented by our uh, friends at Fast Time Engines and uh, Auto Parts. And Rich, it seems like we just did this two weeks ago. Well, it's probably because we did. We were a little delayed on the last one uh, due to uh, some administrative issues. But man, we're going to be on time this week. We're ready to rock. And uh, it's our it's our pleasure to welcome Welcome Gary Lindahl in. How's it going, Gary?
3: Well, I'm doing just fine, you know, and, and that is interesting. I'm going, Jeez, it seems like I just texted Rich the quiz, and here we are again, you know. I go, that three weeks goes fast.
1: It sure does. And hey, did you happen to follow along, man? We had a couple of guys who were right on the cusp of finally breaking the Gary Did You Know uh, loss streak. Uh, we had a couple people last week or a couple weeks ago who almost got it done.
3: Oh really? That's awesome. That's great.
1: Uh, Rich, uh, you've been pretty quiet with your co-host here. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, no, I thought no, I th- I thought we were. I thought last week uh, we were so that was the closest week, hey. Yeah. Um, Gary, you're you're stumping these people, and now they're digging into Google or whatever it is, and and they're trying to get the answers because they're getting dangerously close to answering them all now.
3: Well, you know what? And isn't that cool? That's what that was all about. And when they're doing that, and they're doing that digging, they're learning a little bit about history. That's good A stuff. lot of racing.
1: And it's good stuff. We love it, man. Hey, we got another round coming up this week. Coming up tonight, right now, you've got four new questions for Gary Did You Know. Let's dive on into question number one. What do you got?
3: Okay, question number one is name the three drivers who have over 100 feature wins in ARCA short track racing history. Now, if people would have been listening to Rich on Friday night, they would know this answer. Oh,
1: Richard gave us a little clue on Friday night, did you?
3: Yes, he did at the Toledo Speedway. All right. And yes, I did hear that, Rich.
2: Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so just to clarify, uh, that is Flat Rock and Toledo
1: combined. Okay.
2: Combined yes, it
3: feature is. Wins. Yes, now, it's Arca Short Track wins, basically.
1: I am actually, now, I, I could have taken a stab at this. I could have taken a pretty good run at this. But thanks to Rich and Gary, I'm very familiar with all three of these names that are the answers. So, uh, or this this is a pretty good question. I think we might have some good results for this one. Uh, now, I think you're right. Gary, I am very, very intrigued by question number two. Let me hear it.
3: Well, the reason I did question number two is this debate comes up all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've had to answer it. And I'm sure maybe Rich has had to answer it a few times. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. What's Flat Rock Ever Dirt? It
1: would make an interesting little go. dirt track over there. <laughs> you got the wheels turning. It could be a cool, could have been a cool dirt track. Maybe I don't know. Oh man, Z- that, that, Zach,
2: you were there. Can you picture that uh, laid in some nice red clay? Maybe
1: <sighs> it'd be like uh, it'd be like the Kokomo of Eastern Michigan. That would be pretty sweet.
2: Um, mm,
3: you okay. know, actually, you're right. It would be. Yeah. It would be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> All right, you enough know? about that. How about question number three for this week?
3: Okay, question number three. Before it was Anderson Speedway, the one in Indiana where they had the little 500, what was it called?
1: Also, of course, the home of the Red Bud 400 for our Fender yes. friends. Uh, this is always but It was fun. called
3: some, something else before Anderson Speedway.
1: I love the history of names, Gary, and I'm sure you've seen uh, a lot of tracks go through name changes over the years. Uh, oh, man. This is pretty cool. Sure have. All right, and I and I can tell you, Zach. Yeah, go ahead. When I saw this one,
2: zero chance. Oh, I had no idea. No idea. Never, this would be. This is a Google question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it is. This, this is a Google question because the only one that knows this, I think, off the top of their head, if you don't live in Indiana or you don't live in Auburn or Angola, Gary, Gary is the only one that knows this
1: for sure. All right, fourth and final question this week, Gary. Let us have it.
3: Okay. Ron Laban, race these, and what was his favorite number?
1: All right, so that is... Interesting, what, huh? what is the division that he ran, and what was his favorite number? Is that
3: right? Basically, what division did he run, and what was his favorite number? Okay. Yes, indeed.
1: Well, I'm out this week. Yeah. nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will not I, well, be... I don't, I don't get any tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be in the running for any prizes this week.
3: man. You know, get, actually, there, there are people... All I would say on the west side of the state that would possibly know that answer.
1: A little hint. A little hint from uh, the I, man himself. I just himself. threw that
3: out there. I just threw that out there.
1: All right. Man, Gary, we appreciate you taking the time to put these together for us each uh, each month. This is always a lot of fun, and, and I think this is the great thing is to give some backbone and give some history to our sport in this region. Uh, always so much fun. Thank you for putting this together.
3: Not a problem. Rich, we'll see you down the road i'll see you saturday gotcha
1: and that's gary did you know for this month of august and of course it's brought to you by our friends at fast time race engines do you think we could get gary to do a quiz about uh about our buddy um uh oh no i just forgot his name say it say it for me clayton Smith. Clayton, for our buddy clayton we need to have a, a, a question specific to our buddy clayton yeah i don't i don't know um Gary's
2: been around a while, but he's been, a, you know, Clayton's a, a Canadian feller, you know, so you yeah. would have, for <laughs> years, for years he raced over on the other side of the border, and uh, you know we got to see him. He he went up to the Woodtick and raced, yeah, uh, last weekend. So he's he starting to race a little bit more over here in Michigan. But I think the whole thing was is he couldn't get back across the border. No kidding, yeah, <laughs> during the absolutely. pandemic. So uh, I, I think he reduced his racing a little bit, and uh, but uh, no. Uh, We've got to thank Clayton and Christine with uh, Fast Time Racing Engines and Parts uh for jumping on board with us here at Horsepower Happenings and sponsoring Gary did you know it's a cool deal.
1: Check them out fasttimeracing.com and uh, they are available on Facebook as well or give them a call 734-947-1600 Fast Time Race Engines and Parts bringing you as Rich said Gary did you know. Time to roll in to interview number 2 and Rich this is a guy that you had a chance to watch go to Victory Lane this weekend.
2: Yeah, I sure did, Zach. You know, he's he's making his first appearance on the program, too. That's always nice. Um, he was your 2014 Outlaw Super Late Model Champion at Flat Rock. Uh, picked up his first win in quite a while, A kind of a theme to tonight, earlier this season. Uh, but as of late, he is on fire. He picked up his third consecutive feature win, fourth on the season on Saturday night. Uh, the role he is on, we had to bring him on the show. Out of Belleville, Michigan, Steve Cronoway Jr., welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me, man. Um, let's let's start back before the last three weeks. Um, I was down there in Victory Lane with you when you won earlier in the year, and we talked. And um, you know, you got a little bit of emotional. Where'd that come from? Because um, it's not like you hadn't won features before, but it'd been a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when you go that long, uh, a lot of things have changed in life, and um, six years went by, I think, uh, to be exact. And, you know, I have – I've won as a dad, but never won as, like, a father, I guess you should say. You know, um, my boys are eight years old. I have twin boys, Austin and Brody, that are eight. And my youngest son, Cameron, who's four. And just being able to win in front of them, uh, yeah, it tears you up just thinking about it, And, and that stuff right there is going through your head, you know, all the time. When you, when you're a father, you don't stop thinking about them, even though you're doing other things. And I grew up in the sport with, you know, as a kid in the garage with my dad so just, and that's all I ever known is racing. So having them there, that was the, uh, the, where the emotions, strictly just that, I mean, I'd love to get out of the car every time and be thrilled and happy but uh, doing it in front of my kids that hadn't seen me perform the way that I expect myself to perform Uh, up until this year uh, that's where that emotion came from
1: well that was exactly what i was going to say is just to perfectly connect those dots you said it had been about six years since you'd picked up a feature win and uh, if my math serves me right the twins would have not been quite old enough to probably have an honest memory of that now they are and uh, as a father myself i can only imagine what that must have felt like and and to know that now that memory is ingrained in their brain that yep my dad can get to victory lane at Flat Rock Speedway. I've seen it. I've been there. And uh, not only once, but, man, now you're on a roll this
0: season. How fun is that? Uh, it's been a wave, man. It's just a, a wave of emotions this year. Um, our first win, we set the track record for 50 laps. So, you know, you sit back there and you're like, oh, it's early in the season, but, man, I, I we can do this. And then you go a few races and fall outside of the top five a couple times and, have a poor run in the joy fair uh, 100 and now you're sitting back there you know thinking oh man what did i do wrong or what didn't i do uh to get the performance and then all of a sudden the changes and you hit on something and all those hours that you put in in the garage you know overthinking things probably most of the time um whether it's a spring change or uh, just moving some some weight around the, the car or adding a new part that you might think works better. Uh, that type of stuff, you fall onto something and all of a sudden the car reacts. And when that happens, you're like, man, I can't let this go. So the role that we're on right now is like, don't touch anything and take it back to the track and make minor changes when, when you need know, to, to adjust to the temperatures of the track, which flat rock is very temperamental and rich, you probably know uh, just as well as anybody else that you could be really good in practice and the sun starts going down and then all of a sudden you don't have the same car that you had uh, when it was about 10 degrees hotter. So uh, we're very blessed and lucky that we uh, have fallen upon such a, a good handling car that we really, haven't had to adjust, uh, the past few weeks, um, based on the, the struggles with getting tires right now. Uh, we're all in a, in a situation where we're just doing everything we can to go out there and have the, the fun of racing, uh, and being able to do what we love to do on Saturday night, uh, because of the pandemic that we're coming out of. And it, it has been a struggle and. I don't know if it's suited me better than it has some of the other guys. Uh, but it, it definitely looks that way. Um, you, you, start having different size tires rolling out that, uh, we don't normally put on the car and then all of a sudden everybody's handling different. And it just seems like my car has picked up on it and, uh, we're going with it. I mean, we really don't touch it until, uh, we don't want to tune ourselves out, in other words. So we don't touch it until we start getting past, I guess. Now, Steve, I got I to gotta talk. We had Brian Bergacre on the show after
2: <clears throat> after his win in the Stanley Memorial 150. And this was mm-hmm. before you started your run, your three-week run. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the names that he was concerned about. Um, I saw how good your car was there. How disappointing was that for you that you had problems
0: Oh, it's, it still is biting away at me. Um, I've only had a few good runs in the longer races at uh, Flat Rock, and that bothers me um, to, to know that we probably needed to put some different parts on to avoid that um, kind of really. That's like my fault. Uh, so we kind of brought it on our own. We knew we had a little bit of a problem, but it's been going fine with this fan belt situation. We didn't have like a glaring problem of why. So, what do you do? You you start dumping money into it that you don't have, and <laughs> and and do stuff like that. No, I, I couldn't get myself to do that. But once you you have a car that I had in that one fifty, I think I had track position on Brian and it was going to be a a good race to the end. Uh, If I made zero mistakes, I probably have a chance, Uh, but we'll never know. Brian has been really tough when he comes to Flat Rock and, you know, you try and talk to those guys when they come into town because we know the stats. Okay. You have the Bozells, you have uh, the Roarrigs, you have all those guys from the West side of the state that, you know, Terry Seneca obviously, has built great cars for us to uh, use, but those guys seem to have just a little bit more knowledge or something that they bring to a fire rock and they kick our butts. And and that really doesn't set well for a lot of us here on the east side. So to know that uh, we might've had a chance, that makes us feel really good. And the past three weeks has kind of shown me That you know, it wasn't a fluke, you did have what you thought you had, and you know, would have loved to have had that back if uh, we if we only would have known what we needed to replace back then, maybe it would have turned out a little bit different. But you know, another thing you that I was getting to the point is when those guys come over, you start talking to them and you take just little bits of information that they they say, and they might not even know they're saying it, but they they do talk and you like talking to them and you get talking about setups and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of what I did. It took a long time to figure out exactly what they were saying, but I've concentrated on that. And I'm not really going to tell you guys what I'm concentrating on (laughs) just yet. (laughs) Uh, I've concentrated on some of the stuff that they slipped out and and lo and behold, yeah, it's working. And, and I will say, uh, you know, um, it, it probably did come from Brian uh, just talking to him about stuff he did and picking up. And he never said anything specific. Okay. This is just picking up on stuff uh, and, and probably overthinking of it because I, I drive a truck for a living and I don't really have anybody sitting there to talk to. So you, you just start thinking constantly of what else I can do uh, or what else somebody might've said or what else somebody's trying. And you just think on it and think on it. And there's a lot of us that do the same job, and I'm sure we all are doing the same thing when we're driving, thinking about what we can do to go faster. And and I have to uh, kind of give credit to those guys coming over and beating up on us to <laughs> my success recently just because it makes you work so much harder. What's the mindset now when you roll into Flat Rock? Four
1: on the season is my understanding. Three in a row, as we've talked about for you. Um, I mean, are you at this point, as good as you've been running this last month or so, when that first time happens that you don't end up in victory lane, but maybe it is a third place, fourth place, fifth place finish, I mean, how do you gauge your success still? Because I think at some point, reasonably, right, we all know you can't win them all. Um, So how do you gauge your success going forward now?
0: Well, I, I think there's two ways of looking at it. I mean, obviously we're really confident when we come to the track um, because of the success we've had, but we don't want to be too overconfident because it is a strong field. Okay. Um, you have Harold, uh, fair junior, uh, I'm, he's probably gonna be in the hall of fame if he's not already. And that guy is spot on normally when he comes to the track, He's uh, been fast, uh, at races, not only in Michigan, but Ohio, Florida back in the day when they ran ASA uh, they would travel around and and beat up on everybody so you have guys like that that you have to to really worry about you have all of our regulars Justin schroeder uh, my best friend we're business partners and um, you know to try and keep that friendship and the competitive level is like almost like another job because you don't want to do anything to upset each other and we've been in that in the past and we've gotten through it so I'm thinking we can get through anything but you have all these guys yeah Pelletier um, Giovanni Um, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out that deserves a standee and we have this uh, Connor this kid that is right there every week it seems like um, pressuring us and I hope he's he's learning as much as uh, he can because he's going to be really good here in the future if not It could be next week, but, uh, to get back to your question, you know, gauging my success. Um, you know, I'm, I feel more like the last couple weeks prior to last week was maybe a little bit of luck just because cautions fell at the right time. Uh, the track I think is getting wore out a little bit because the outside groove is not as, uh, grippy as it used to be. Um, I can get to guys quarter panels and doors, but it seems like I have to settle back in and, and go at it again a few laps later and just hope that they make a mistake. But then the caution comes out and now, okay, now I'm next to you. So now I have a, a fair chance uh, of, of trying to get by. And that seems like if you look at the videos, that's the last few races. That's where I've capitalized on those cautions. So um gauging my success. I don't think I'm, any better than the top five guys out there. I think that we've capitalized on a lot of things. I think my cars um, had speed later in the race that some of the other guys might have fallen off and gauging my success. If we do uh, end up on a third or fourth or fifth place finish, you know, I don't think that's anything to, to be ashamed of. Our field is really close. I mean, the top 10 cars are under, a tenth of a second off in qualifying. And I've always said you kind of need to be two tenths faster than anybody to pass them at Flat Rock unless you want to go bonsaiing underneath them. So what are you going to do? Here's my question. What are you going to do if the rest of the field decides to call
1: up uh, Brian Bergacre this week and uh, just chat, maybe offer to buy him a beverage, take him out to dinner and just see what conversation brings up?
0: I don't think Brian's going to give up the information uh, freely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I think you really have to have the mindset of, of opening up your mind and, and saying, Hey, you weren't right with the way that you were doing things. Um, and then you got to go apply it and put the hard work in. So I don't know. Uh, it's probably more than just a week's worth of, uh, of night talking on the phone isn't going to do it. Uh, you going to have to really think a lot harder into it. Um, I've been watching formula one more this year than I have in previous years as a sports fan. And, and I think the Netflix series uh, drive to survive was what got me a little bit hooked on it uh, during the pandemic and just opening your mind to different ways of, of thinking about how the car is supposed to work is, is really, you're going to have to open up your mind and, and go a little deeper than just getting this set up because, we're all sold the same setup and it's how you can apply it is what's really where everybody's uh, making their own gains. You know, everybodys it's just metal. Everybody's got the same metal and most of us have the same parts bolted onto that metal and it's just how you can apply it and make it suit your driving style. Uh, And everything that um, I said before, like these tires, that's the number one thing that, that you rely on on a race car setup is the tires and that's the thing touching the road. There's no other part that touches the asphalt and you got to be really conscious of, uh, what you're doing and how you're, uh, putting the loads on each, each corner of the car. Now you guys are getting me to talk more than what i probably should. (laughs) Oh, and we're not even running cars. So, uh, sorry, we didn't mean to do that to you,
1: Rich. What do you got? No,
2: I I was just going to say, you know, you know, In case anybody, you know, wasn't at Flat Rock, it's not like, um, you know, these last three weeks you had a dominating car where you just drove away from everybody a couple of weeks ago, a week or a week or so ago. um, You got fortunate with a late caution and beat Harold Fair Jr. by a nose. And I'm being generous uh, to the line. And then this week early in the race, you got him again. He's on the bottom. Did you think he was gonna? You're gonna be able to do it two weeks in a row.
0: I the week before we did have a good, a, a very good car. Just you don't have a. You, I'm not have am not 2 tenths faster than these guys. We're really close. And uh, I keyed up the radio on that first caution uh, at lap. I think it was 43, and I go, "Yeah, you know, my dad's my spotter." Um, we're pretty much the only two on the radio that are talking. Henry's sitting back there for other information, but, um, you know, I'm keyed up the radio. I said, you know, whatever happens here, if we end up third, this is an awesome race. I mean, I was trying outside, inside, all over the, the back of the, uh, pelletier and I'm like, he didn't make any mistake. And I, I can't just go in there bonsai and, and crash him to get out of the way because I felt like I was faster and I might've been able to track down Harold. Um, but still tracking down and passing is two different things. And then you get the cautions and then you all of a sudden I'm in second and I'm on the outside of them for the, the seven laps that we had. Couldn't get it done. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can cross them over and go underneath them. Um, and then you get a last lap, uh, shootout like that. And I'm like, okay, all I need to do is, uh, make sure that I get a good restart. And I think I can make something happen here just because, I ran the outside of a lot of guys for a long time and there's little tricks that you can do to, to not just make your car faster, but to try and make them slower. And, and I knew in my mind what I needed to do and, and from previous races with Harold, um, I kind of had an idea of what he was going to do. So We made that all work and that was great. And that was what was so exciting about that race was I felt like we stole one. And you don't get to do that at Flat Rock very often. Um, You don't get to get a a one lap shootout for the win when you didn't even lead a lap like some of these NASCAR guys do. You know, the NASCAR series, they they seem to have a lot more green, white, checkered finishes uh, to make it exciting. And, uh, you know, the race last week we set past time finally, and it's been a long time since I've done that. Uh, and then to roll a one on the die, and it's one plus two, one dice plus two uh, was the inversion. So to get to start third after setting past time, I really feeling like I have a good car. And then to complex things a little bit, we had a little smoke coming out of the exhaust, and now I'm worried about that. Oh, no, no, but no. no. It, it, was, Steve, it Steve,
2: it wasn't a little smoke. <laughs> <laughs> i was i was starting to get concerned for you that you were going to make it to the end
0: yeah and I, I heard that and i think the guys were just keeping it quiet on the radio so i didn't worry about it because we knew we had a really good uh car that was handling well and they probably didn't want me to be concentra- concentrating on the smoke that was coming out and we think we have that problem diagnosed and we're in the middle of trying to fix it it's always uh A guessing game when it comes to internal parts of an engine and uh, i have the greatest support that anybody could with henry and gina giles uh, supporting me with their motors um for the last i don't know since 2011 so 10 years now that we've been together um and then butch giles before that with my father um you know that's been a great family and you know have that support and him say you know we'll take a look at it if we can't find anything that's glaring at us then we'll just run it and see what happens um obviously we made the the 50 laps uh, last week and had the success that we did and i think when you do that um you're willing to take more risks
1: you mentioned your dad a couple of times i want to ask you about that legacy because um i had a chance earlier today as we were preparing for this interview to talk to uh uh, our fearless leader Scott Menlin, who started his racing career, if you will, as a fan at Flat Rock, and he said, "Oh man, that name is synonymous with Flat Rock, and I've been hearing that name for as long as I can remember. Whether it was him or your or his dad, uh, so talk about kind of that legacy of racing at Flat Rock between you and your dad, and how much you know, or or what it's the what the relationship is like now with you two working together on your racing career."
0: Oh man, I mean, my dad has probably lost more championships by five points than anybody's won and a lot of people come up to him and and think that he's a champion of of Flat Rock Speedway and the truth is he's not and and that I don't know if that hurts him at all or if he wears that on his sleeve or not. I I don't really know how he deeply feels about it. I know how I would feel about it. I'd be a little disturbed for sure but um, I think he's super proud that the effects that he's put on me or, or something like that, uh, to be able to see the success that I have through him, uh, with the 2006 season we had in the street stock division. Um, we won six races that year. I don't, I don't think I lost in the month of July, but by another nose with, uh, Tim Moore and, you know, it's special when you can think of the name of the guy that you were actually, nose to nose with in one of the races, but, you know, the success we had in 2006 with the street stock and then, uh, he allowed me to go into his late model and we won in our second race, uh, second late model race at Flat Rock. I was a feature winner. So, you know, stuff like that, uh, it goes to your head and now all of a sudden I think I'm probably better than what I was back then, but, uh, he reigns me in, he keeps me, uh, sane and. 2014, we put together a season, one a championship then too. And I, I don't care what anybody says, he is a champion of that track. Um, he's done enough in the, I don't know, 35, 40 years that uh, he deserves to be a champion and acknowledged as one. Even if he hasn't put uh, everything together, uh, you know, five points here and there, no matter what happened in the, the season, I think Bill Steinhover uh, gave him one of the awards at a banquet once just because he said he's the most fierce competitor that he has ever raced against, and they they were only like five or 15 points uh, away. But the legacy that he's left at that track um, is amazing. Uh, some of the stats don't show exactly the success that he's had, but in my eyes, he's, he's the best guy that was ever out there. Um, and I think that deep down he is, uh, living that kind of through me, um, and some of the success that we're having recently has kind of sparked him up a little bit more because we've gone through a lot of bad times. There's always more bad times than there are good for sure. Uh, when you talk about anything. and I know he's proud of me and I'm proud of him. Well, man, it's
1: been a lot of fun to get a chance to talk to you and hear the success story for you and your team and uh, from your dad to your kids to you and everything. Uh, Man, it sounds like a real family affair that you guys got going over there uh, in uh, the east part of Michigan. So uh, a lot of fun to hear, and and we appreciate you sharing your story tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to put it out there. You know, without uh, my wife, Samantha, my kids, um, my mother and father-in-law, they've been great ever since uh, I've introduced them to the sport. They've been there cheering me on since day one. And uh, I mentioned Henry and Gina Giles helping out, all my friends and my sisters, their their uh, brother-in-laws, my mom, my dad, my uncles, my aunts, uh, everybody. It's been such a big family at Flat Rock Speedway. Um, I just... we. Mm-hmm definitely couldn't do it without everybody that's involved and I'm I'm so blessed that I I just sometimes I'm speechless about it because uh, everybody gives up so much uh, to be able to go out there on Saturday night I mean you give up your summers Um, sometimes you miss weddings or events like that so we can go out there and drive around in circles which a lot of people don't get it And I don't blame them for not getting it. Sometimes I don't get why we do it, but (laughs) it's something that I was born into and I know that's why I'm into it. And it's been fun this year because I've seen these, these two little boys, three little boys, I'll throw Cameron in there. He doesn't exactly know exactly what's going on, but he's, he's excited for it too. To see the spark and the interest that they have, um, that's probably going to keep me going a few more years than what I probably expected to go.
1: Well, Steve, uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Steve cronin Jr., congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way, and who knows, maybe we'll have to bring you on again after another three in a row at Flat Rock Speedway.
0: Well, I certainly hope so, and uh, hopefully if anybody uh, out there listening wants to see a good show, uh, come on out to Flat Rock Speedway. We'll put one on uh, this weekend for you. It's going to be a, a nail-biter for uh, the championship. I think uh, three, at least three of us have a shot at it. We're just going to see uh, how the cards play out all right man well good luck with that thanks for joining us on the show
1: we appreciate it thank you i appreciate you guys time a lot of thanks to steve uh, gary and of course greg for being on the program tonight and uh, rich man you want to talk about busy race weeks this may be we've said it before but we'll say it again maybe one of the busiest weeks in racing in our region how are we going to split this one up i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this. Let's get to a start because we
2: we we um, have a big decision to make here. Yeah, uh, and we can't wait till the weekend
1: to make it. Let me let me let me let me help you out. Right in my backyard, they might as well race in the field in my backyard. The Hell Tour starts their final week of the summer. Right where I started my career, Butler Motor Speedway is going to host the Dirt Car UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour, and uh, that'll be late models. UMP Modifieds will be there as well. And uh, all the action, gates open at 4, racing starts at 7.30. But, Rich, how often have we said this? You have a choice to make on a Wednesday night as to where you want to go racing. Well, I
2: I, I think the choice is going to be made depending on what – your affiliation is to dirt or a pavement track. Yeah. I think that's how it's going to split down the middle. Um, Kalamazoo clash. 2021 is here. We, uh, we were on site for last year's clash back in June that they, that they reran that Steve needles picked up to win Uh, this year. uh, Outlaw super late models, template late models all going for five. I think $10,000 to win for the outlaws, $5,000 to win for the template late models. That is Wednesday night. So, um, yeah, Clash Weekend, and that that Clash Wednesday always draws a big crowd, uh, so I don't think they're going to have a problem drawing any fans to that one whatsoever.
1: Here's the question. Somebody said this to me over the weekend. They said, you know, um, Butler and Kalamazoo had no idea what the other one was doing, but let me tell you, and then somebody else said, well, the Clash is always on this Wednesday. You know, shame on Butler for running a race. Let me just say this. If Butler wanted a Hell Tour race, they had no cha- no choice. Uh, with the new format this year, instead of it being a Hell month for the Hell Tour, it's been like two months uh, with a new format with breaks and, and uh, weeks for makeup races and this whole new thing that they've done. Um, I'd say pump the hate breaks on, on the Butler thing because if they wanted to run a Hell Tour race, Rich, this was the only chance they were going to have to do it.
2: I don't think they were going to let them run Tuesday and then take a night off before going to I-96 on Thursday. Yeah, for I, sure. You know, I don't think that was an option. Um, so they have these backed up right in a row. And I think that's the way, the way it falls. If you want a hell to a race, this is the dates. Yep, absolutely.
1: So as you mentioned, Thursday, Hell Tour, I-96 Speedway. uh, And then my understanding is they're also going to run a regular program on Friday, but the Hell Tour wages on and continues to roll on Friday, headed up to Tri-City. And then Saturday at uh, Merritt Speedway, the Hell Tour will wrap up for the 2021 edition. Now, Rich, how about normal Friday and Saturday stuff? Anything else on your radar? um just where i'm gonna be obviously we had a little flat rock flavor tonight so i can i can do that
2: season championships Zach. we're done uh season championships are this weekend then uh so all three divisions will crown champions this saturday at flat rock outlaw super late models street stocks and figure eights uh then really all we have left is uh we have a, a 250 lap enduro coming up the week after and uh and then the school bus figure eight for Labor Day weekend, and we're out the door. At Flat Rock, lock wow. the gates, put the keys away till spring.
1: Isn't that bizarre that that's already happening?
2: It, I I can't believe it. I didn't this this season. What we waited so long to get to race, and then it flies through this fast. It's yeah, just it, it just should unbelievable. <laughs> it
1: should be illegal how fast <laughs> it went by. Now um, Friday, Berlin Raceway is hosting a two day weekend. Um, that is part of their Battle at Berlin 150. So now Friday, they do have a racing program with um, Sportsman, four cylinders, limited late models, and then Battle at Berlin 150 qualifying. So you'll have the Auto Value four cylinders, Sportsman, limited late models, and then qualifying wraps up the night. Racing begins at 6.30 on Friday. And then uh, we come back on Saturday, and we do it all over again. This time, though, Saturday is a little bit more condensed. Racing starts at 6.30. Last chance race for the Battle at Berlin. 30 cars are already pre-entered, so I do believe they will run a last chance race. Four-cylinder sportsman, late models, and then driver intros and Battle at Berlin. 150, 150 laps around Berlin Raceway with the ARCA CRA Super Series, Jenks CRA All-Stars Tour, and, of course, the Berlin Budweiser, Modifieds all going to be racing in one event. And uh, this is the kickoff for the chase for the uh, CRA division. So it's going to be a big one Saturday at Berlin. So uh, if you're torn on where to go, uh, you got a decision to make, Rich, either Berlin, where I'll be uh, talking about CRA, or go see my buddy Rich, where they'll be crowning a champion for local division racing. Um, so uh, there's some choices to be had this weekend. And then, of course, Hell Tour at Merritt. Tri-City Hell Tour there as well. There's a lot of racing going on this weekend, my friend. And, Zach, don't forget, if you're going back on the pavement, Corgan Oil, part one of their championships
2: this Friday night. They're going to take two weekends, split up the championships, uh, share that up. So starting Friday night, this Friday, they'll have Street Stocks, uh, Modifieds, uh, Outlaw Super Late Models settling their championships this week. Uh, and then we'll get into it. We'll, we'll tease next week, next week. But uh, So, <laughs> yeah, so a few sure. of the divisions... Spartan Corgan Oil Speedway will be honoring and crowning three of their season champions this Friday night.
1: It blows my mind, absolutely blows my mind that we're talking about season championships already. Uh, But it's August. We go back to school in August in Michigan now. So uh, there's a lot of tracks that don't want to compete with Friday Night Lights and with school activities. So, man, oh, man, it just is saddening. But it's also exciting, Rich, because let me just end on a high note. When we start talking about season championship nights, we also start talking about specials. And specials season is one of the most exciting. Big money, big races, and we're going to start seeing those in a couple of weeks.
2: And you want to know the big, I'll tell you what else that we can do. Don't worry about racing when it's over because Horsepower Happenings is going nowhere. We will be with you all winter long to keep you updated <laughs> on everything that's going on. Oh, uh, look for at all that. the specials we'll have. We'll have prime coverage for the big specials.
1: Oh, for sure. And,
2: yep, and we'll keep. We'll get you through the dark days of winter till we get to springtime.
1: I can't believe it's August it's 80 some degrees do you, do you why, talk about why that? are we talking about this let's get out of here man it's been a long show our thanks to the guests that join us tonight uh, of course Gary Lindahl for doing Gary did you know Greg Dahlman uh, Steve Cronenwett thank you guys so much for being a part of our program on behalf of Scott Menland, who pays the bills uh, and Rich France my co-host I'm thanking you the fans for tuning in and supporting us be sure to share this with uh, a racing fan that you think would enjoy it we're available on all the major streaming platforms Spotify Google Music, iTunes. Look us up. Share it with your friends. And uh, as always, I'm Zach Heiser. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, Monday night, 9 o'clock, right here on Horsepower Happenings.
0: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to HorsepowerHappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.